This is Kevin Pruitt, and my special guest on Rising Tide Startups is my friend Harold Babb. Harold, thanks for joining us today. My pleasure. So tell our listeners a little bit about who is Harold Babb. Um, maybe you should ask my wife. She'd be better <laughs> answering that. Well, wait, um, this is your shot right yeah, now. I'll yeah, ask her later. Out here um, I grew up in Virginia, down in the uh, Virginia Beach area. We call it Tidewater area. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's where I went to high school. went to college, University of Richmond, here, you know, outside of town. Um, and then completed other degrees to, you know, God sort of led the process of what am I going to do, what am I going to be, and I really never had any ambitions, you know, effectively to become what I became. Mm-hmm. So uh, I am one of those that would clearly say, you know, God opened and closed doors all the way through uh, because I really didn't know right. what I was planning to do, right. uh, even after each degree. Um, ended up being a college, you know, professor, as mm-hmm. it turns out. My undergraduate degree was in accounting. Yep. My master's degree was in finance. And then my PhD was in marketing. So I'm one of those Well-rounded. unusual financial <laughs> marketer kind of a guy. Right. Um, and then came back and started teaching at the University of Richmond and spent 38 years there as a wow. uh, professor in, um, in marketing, international marketing, strategy, planning. Um, as I got towards the end of that part of my career, literally all of my classes I titled The Business of Business. Okay. Trying to teach people how to be a business person. Right. That's what we did in the school of business. Right. We had the functional areas of accounting, finance, economics, mm-hmm. management, whatever. But if you're going to be in business, you have to know a little bit about all of those. And you have to be able to pull it all together. So really the entrepreneurial kinds of things that I did mm-hmm. showed me that it wasn't about marketing or it wasn't about accounting or finance. It was about all those things. So if you were going to start something, you didn't have some kind of knowledge and thought about that somehow so that's kind of where i ended up but um early on in my career which is not unusual for business professors i started consulting right i was really blessed to um, have some phenomenal consulting engagements where i learned a whole lot more than i gave Mm -hmm. um it's kind of thing where you think you ought to go back and give them their money back you know (laughs) but um honorary degree uh, honorary degree really enjoyed it uh, learned a lot from it, um, but you know when you're consulting, <clears throat> you you study, you try to figure out you know what's the appropriate um, process for someone to make some change in an area that they need you know change in, and then you write your report and you sort of walk away. Mm-hmm. You know you're not part of the applications part of it, implementation, right. and that that left a pretty big hole. You know like I, you know I'm doing this, but I don't see it come to fruition. Right. I don't right. see the changes necessary to really make it work. Um, so I thought, you know, I think I want to do my own I want to get in the full process. Yeah, and really have to, you know, be responsible for opening the front door, mm-hmm. you know, making payroll. And that's what business is all about. So that's uh, that started, I guess, when I was 32 years old. So what was the first on. business that you, that you decided, you know what, I, I want to have the key? Um, freestanding Medical Center. Okay. Uh, what we call a dock in a box. You know, like a days. patient first type yep. thing or okay. Yeah. They're all over the country now. Right. Right. When uh, when we started that, there was nothing here in Virginia, you mm-hmm. know, like that. Um, you know, we had emergency centers. Right. But you didn't, you know, they were 24-7. If you didn't have a primary care physician, right. you went to the ER. A lot of people didn't have primary care physicians anyhow, so they mm-hmm. went to the ER for everything else because mm-hmm. there weren't no other options. Um Worked with a doctor in Memphis, Tennessee, to help set up something like that for him okay. there. It's just a consulting thing. Mm-hmm. 
when that happened, I said, huh, let me see what we're we doing. Might be able to do that here. That's right. So I looked, Richmond, there's nothing. I looked all around to try to get some data mm-hmm. you know, about it. They really didn't have those kind of units around. Um, so myself and another individual thought about it. So I think we can do that. Uh, there was, a, and people say, well, how, how did you know what to do? You right. n- nothing about medicine. That would be right. absolutely true. But you knew business. Yeah. And, and I think in every business uh, startup, there are certain questions that need to be answered. And you realize quickly it's not about you. It's right. about the good people that you bring along with you. And it's okay. When, when you list out the questions of what do you need to do possibly to be successful, mm-hmm. uh, then you look at those questions and say, okay, where do I have the skill set, intellectual capacity, whatever, financial capacity, to answer these questions? And there are going to be gaps. Right. So the next question is, how do you fill the gaps? Right. That's with other people, yep. cost, whatever. If you can answer all those questions, knowing you're filling the gaps and, and where you're you know, deficient, um, you might have an opportunity. Because you first look and say, is there a need for it? And if there is, and you can communicate it. And you can let people know what's available, and you can produce for them what they need uh, at a rate that they can afford to pay. You got a, got a chance to be successful. So, so Harold is one of these uh, guests that when I'm when I'm asking him a question, he's not only going to answer the question, he's also going to teach during the time. So, I don't know if you've noticed that or not, but he's already he's, he's getting ahead of my list of questions here. That with uh, I told him we're going to circle back and have a little micro course at the end, but we're going to get full value throughout the entire interview. You're, and every time I talk to him, it's that way. It's a professor. Come on, yeah, that's that's exactly a professor right. part of it. You start talking, that's you right. don't stop. You know, you, you, it's a verb. You got to profess. That's you know, right. when you're you're a professor. So, well, I, I want to drill down a little bit more, just just personally. Um, you know, I, I love I love sports and sports, you know, metaphors and and the, the sports vernacular. But give me a give me a time where, you know, not everything is. You know, baseball players hit three hundred and they make you know millions a year. So, give me a time where you got up there and you thought this is going to work and it and you just whiffed. You know, three strikes and you're back in the dugout. So, what was? What was the time where you really thought this is this is going to fly, and it just kind of fell flat? You don't have to get into all the specifics, yeah. but just a well, kind of general you, time. From an optional point of view, if you're you're only batting three hundred, you're you're probably bankrupt. So <laughs> all right, four, <laughs> two out of you better three be at one out of three. Yeah. <laughs> um, you know, for, for me, that's a really tough question. Um, because God pretty much blessed everything we did uh, to different levels. Right, right. Um, but and maybe you saw you the know, writing on the wall. Yeah, you know, and said, in, "Hey, we got in and out." There were things that we had to adjust to, and sure. we were able to adjust because you didn't make the right decisions right. and so forth. Even in the very first one with the uh, your medical center, um, I, I'd run all the numbers that you you need to be running and mm-hmm. so forth to determine what, what it is to take to break even. Yeah. And it was based on the number of patients per day because there was a revenue sure. number associated with each patient sure. coming in on average. Um, and that number was 27 patients a day. In the first three weeks, we were up to like 35 a day. Mm-hmm. So I'm thinking, this is going really Touchdown. well. Everybody's <laughs> happy, you know. And uh, so after the first couple of months, I started running some numbers and we're losing money. Man, I'm thinking we're averaging more than we need to average to break even, and we're losing money. Something's not wrong with this. Hmm. I mean, something's wrong with the formula here. Like, w- what did we do wrong? Right. So that created some angst, you know, right off the bat, because you've already put probably what money you had to put in it. You're right. Yeah, a little right. reserved. 
Um, but if you're not if you're not hitting those averages, you know, when you have a lot more patience than you thought you needed, mm -hmm. what is it that you're not doing, and how many do you need? I mean, and can hmm. you get that many? Mm -hmm. I mean, it's already kind of blown the model away. So what what's happened? Right. So was it the cost of services that I mean, were that was the cost of service higher than you anticipated per patient, or what was the? Because if I mean, I, if if you if that was a constant and you knew the number of patients you needed, then that revenue model would have been pretty easy to predict. So yeah. what yeah. what was the what was the variable that you didn't take into account? That's a very good question, and it's also a really good question about any business effectively. Uh, and this, uh, what happened here, helped me to think about the question: of What really makes a business run? Mm -hmm. What what are the key, you know, uh, metrics that you have to know clearly right. in order to right. see if it can be successful and then continue? Get your pins out. Yeah. Well, in that in that particular, you know, case, um, we had a per patient national average coming into like right. an ER or that you know kind of thing but effectively what we didn't realize is that if you come into a facility like that mm -hmm. and you have your basic office visit you know, right. because you've got a really bad cold you think it's the flu or your, your elbow hurts sure. you know how do you do um, those don't pay the only way you make a facility pay is when you use the facility okay meaning the you know uh, labs X-ray machine, X-ray machine, yeah. because those are all fixed costs, sure. basically, and the uh, you know what you charge for those is a really good number. Mm -hmm. uh, the insurance companies pay all of those clearly. Right, insurance companies don't like paying for basic visits. Right, so um, so now you start looking back and go, okay, so what that says as an example, if someone comes in and they've got a sore throat, as opposed to the doctor saying, yeah, if you got a sore throat, let me give you an antibiotic or whatever, and you're, and you're on your way, and here's your $35 payment for the day. Right. Uh, you go, huh, yeah, sore throat, maybe you should do a strep test. So a strep test cost us, I think at the time it was like 37 cents for a little strip mm -hmm. or whatever. Right. And I think insurance was paying $32. Mm. So, you have yeah. a sore throat, huh? Let me one x-ray. You might be throat cancer. Oh, you cough one time? <laughs> oh, we need a chest x-ray. Right. Oh, chest, chest x-ray. Well, yeah. so you look at that, and then you have to ask yourself a real ethical question. I know I can make money if I kind of force that right. issue a little bit. Right. We've got a lot of patient flow. But do I want to ask the doctors to use those facilities more when they probably don't think it's totally necessary? Sure. Sure. That's where the struggle came in. So the answer is, no, we're yeah. not going to do that. We're just not going to do that. Right. Uh, so I told the doctors, do not require or ask for any kind of you know, medical service that you don't believe mm. is absolutely necessary. Yep. Because there's this will cost the patient when you do that. So our job became, okay, we just got to have more patients. Now that was, I mean, that's obviously a big argument with, you know, socialized medical care and, and things like that is that, you know, one of the reasons that medical care was so expensive is because doctors, you know, from a financial standpoint, were, were asking for tests and things yeah, like so, that that yeah. weren't required, you know, or, but then insurance companies were fighting that. So, I mean, it was a constant battle with two revenue-driven models that were in, almost competing with each other, yeah. which is a, an interesting, you know, dichotomy. But well, what, um, what you had was, a, you know, both of them had their models. They knew how to run the numbers exactly. to see what they could make. And, right. Uh, insurance companies effectively, when you would send a particular charge in, they would, you know, discount that. Right. And so you'd ask, why are you discounting, you know, my charge? That's what it, what's, what it is. And the bottom line was, well, we know some things are coming in that are necessary. Yep. And, um, yep. you know, we have to 
you know, be ready to account for that. So we're going to discount all this. So the question was, well, if, if I need $30 for this and you're going to give me 23 their answer without saying it was, I need to charge 37 so I can get my 30 Right. Right. Like, well, that's unethical. It's 30 It's not 37 mm -hmm. I had that conversation with some large providers, and the answer was, well, you're a business person. You know how to handle <laughs> Figure this. Figure it out. That's right. And I'm like, wow. But change that's, that's change the margin a little true bit. true in a lot of businesses, but that's why, um, you know, you have to know where do you stand, you know, ethically right. what's important to you. I mean, I'd, we've we've all worked with companies where you you do a departmental budget, and you know you know that your budget may be cut twenty percent, so maybe that the original budget request is twenty percent higher than you think you're going to need. So, I mean, it's a it's a game that you you know that I, I think is often is often played. But I I mean, I appreciate the fact that you you know you outline or you just just mentioned to us that you know you had this kind of ethical quandary about you know how do we you know, we want to do things ethically. So you had that kind of that, that <clears throat> crisis of conscience that said, you know, well, we can't continue to order services that aren't necessary, or we can we can figure out a different different model. Yep. And I mean, I, if if our listeners don't hear anything else, I mean, um, there is a way to do business ethically and and be successful. There is, or or. To make a decision that I am not going to do business this way, right? So I'm not going to do this business, right? Yeah, that, that's good. That's and, a good point. And, and you will, yeah. Well, that's just my opinion. You, you be a much better person because of that. No and question. You will, you will sleep a lot better. No that. question. And mm -hmm. and if you're if you're really entrepreneurial, there are other things out there, and there's a lot of things that you can do that mm -hmm. you can succeed in you know, right. financially, you know, without being, uh, you know, unethical or in the gray. Right. I mean, some people. You know, I used to give a little talk on an off-topic no, again. No, that mic's yours. Because it, it bothered me, you know, the ethics, you know, kind of thing a little bit. And mm -hmm. and obviously when you're in businesses, you, there's a lot of legal aspects to any kind of business. So you're always dealing with lawyers. <clears throat> and I used to hear from a lot of people, well, Harold, it's legal. And I thought, yeah, but it's not ethical. You mm -hmm. don't want somebody to treat you that way, mm -hmm. even though it's legal. Right. So I did, you know, talk, you know, for a while on it might be legal, but it's not ethical. Mm. So which way do you want to go with mm -hmm. this, and how do you want to be treated? And then, you know, there's a lot of writing that came out, you know, around situational ethics, sure. et cetera, which which I have a lot of problems with. Right. It's um, almost an oxymoron. It, it is. <laughs> you know, like, okay, maybe yes, maybe no. And depends on what day it is. No, there are, there are like a lot relative of truth out there. There yeah. you go. So I changed the conversation, you know, from one of is it legal to then, is it ethical, and then is it God-honoring? Mm. That takes it to a whole different level. And people who who really don't care about where God stands on anything, that won't make any difference to them. Right. But that's there are people like that. You just have to know that. But people who really do care and they want to do the right thing, but they kind of get caught up in that ethical dilemma, mm -hmm. situational stuff, you take it to God-honoring. That gives them a little more clarity right. on how right. to make a decision. Um, and and you try to find people who think the same way as you. Mm -hmm. And those are the people you like to do business with. Right, right. And those are the partners you would seek out to, you know, right. in a joint ventures and things like that. So, well, let me let me shift to the uh, the conversation a bit to, to you know, your, your, your last life was, you know, being a professor at University of Richmond. So tell me about the students, especially, you know, in the, in the recent past, 
So what have you observed, um, students especially, that you feel like you know, had kind of an entrepreneurial bent to them, or, or at least a, a desire to head in that space? What have you, what have you observed as being some of the, the traits that you saw or the characteristics that you saw that, that uh, were either going to really help them be successful or really be a hindrance to them? And, and let, let's start with the hindrances. So what would be one or two you know, hindrances that you've, you've seen in, in today's student and how, how did you kind of coach them to overcome those? Uh, a really good question, and you couch it in terms of more recent students, right? Because it has, I mean, you can go back, but it sure is, but that's like, yeah, every generation has everything different. changes all the time, right? So, yeah, it is really different now. Uh, and I, I did deal with a lot of those kind of students. I was really blessed to be the teacher at University of Richmond, where the students are very, very bright, it's mm-hmm. very difficult to get in there. Mm-hmm. Um, so I had some great material. Is to that, work was, with, that will. was that 40 years ago difficult too? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I tell you, it, it, you know, I joke. You know, I went there, but I could never get in there now. So <laughs> that's, that's, that's where I was at with that. Teaching so, yeah. all these students that just would have blown me away in high school. But anyhow, um, being a professor kind of helps. That's right. Um, I, and, and I think today's students, um, they have a little bit of an entitlement, you know, problem. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they see what their parents have or are doing, and they kind of want to be that right away. Right. They don't think about working their way up. Mm-hmm. Why can't I have the same kind of house effectively or the cars, blah, 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 the things that they kind of expect. Right. And the work has to give them that, mm-hmm. um, and it, it doesn't. Uh, and an entrepreneur, you know, hard work is always going to be there. Right. And if you're – you can see that in a person if, if they're challenged – you know, in a classroom or wherever on something, man, they put their nose to the grindstone and they, they're ready to roll. They want to know more, know more, tell me more, come by more. You probably got somebody who understands sure. that they need to work a little bit harder than others mm-hmm. in order to, to make it. And then that characteristic usually, you know, flows over right. into, you know, something entrepreneurial. Serves them well in there. Yeah, I always, uh, every year, every graduating class, I'd always pick two or three students that uh, had not done as well academically, grade-wise, mm-hmm. that I suggested would be very successful, you know, in the work world when they got out. Right. Because they were um, always questioning, always wondering, hmm. always wanting to learn, but didn't want to bother with stuff that they didn't think was yeah, important exactly. at, to them at that point. In time. <laughs> but so I would say, you know, <clears throat> attitude around what it takes to be successful is something that we have to deal with more now than I think we used to. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, their willingness to, uh, you know, listen, you know, effectively and not think they have all the answers mm-hmm. or they have the answer in the palm of their hand, mm-hmm. you know, with electronics. Right. sure. Uh, because that is there. And many of them I Googled that. Of course I know that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, what is it I need to know? I got mm-hmm. it right here. Uh, and so then they believe they have all the answers. Mm. And their weakness is if you, if you ask them a question, they'll give you an answer. That answer is based on probably what they had, they, they, whatever they looked it up, they heard it somewhere, and, and that becomes the answer. Right. You know, the old you know, joke, it's on the internet, must be true, <laughs> that kind of thing. But then you say, well, what if this happens? Would that then be true? How about this? Mm-hmm. How about that? And all of a sudden, you start to you know, create your know, criteria which says, uh-oh, maybe this doesn't make sense anymore. Right. The students that uh, push back on that, not going to 
you, you don't want them trying to start a business. Mm-hmm. Students that go, oh, I didn't even thought about that. Yeah. Hmm. It's There's an openness there to, yeah. you know, to consider. It's, it, it's almost like the difference between learning and reasoning. You know, where you, I mean, you can, you can memorize things and you can, you know, regurgitate them back in a rote manner versus critical thinking and, yeah. and reasoning. And I mean, you know, you, you know that we've lived in different places around the world. Our kids have been in different school systems and, you know, in different countries. And, and it was interesting, especially in Western Europe. I mean, there was a primarily a basis of, of rote memorization versus, mm-hmm. versus critical thinking, very much you know, so. yeah. and, and, uh, I mean, it's just a, a huge difference in our educational systems you know and and i can i've almost seen a shift a little bit to that even here you know this this idea that that uh, we're we're just going to really we're teaching you to the test we're we're we want to teach you what you need to know so you can do well on the exam versus mm-hmm. teach you really how to how to critically think and and reason on your own and and um but so the the two that you really mentioned, I mean, that maybe the entitlement and the the fact that uh, you know not listening well because you you feel like and it's not a it's not a a belligerence. It's just a no, I just feel like I have the answers already. You know, here right. in Google, Google can answer anything I ask it. Yeah. Um. So so I'm ready to go. You know, I've got the answers and and I really I almost thought I deserve this to start out at this level because this is the level that I oh, grew yeah, up. A lot, in, lot of students you know. want to. Start right away, right sure. when they come out of college. They've got ideas. Right. And you and I offline were talking about this before, about internet, et cetera. Mm-hmm. There are so many opportunities that you can do, which you know don't take as much time right. or money right. to try to start a business. Uh, or experience, for sure. Yeah, and we have we have a lot of students who come up with incredible ideas, mm-hmm. um, and, but all of them are related somehow you know, to the internet because then you, you're not building infrastructure, right. you're not building employees, you're not right. building anything around right. it except you know what's online. Right. And some of these people really are brilliant. They have some great ideas, mm-hmm. you know, but then it's still a business. So yeah. Some of the questions still are the same. Right. <laughs> right. And it's I mean, you can you can fake it until you make it on the internet for yeah. sure. There's you don't have to have that uh, that brick and mortar. You know that that uh, you may you may look like you're driving a Lamborghini online, but yeah. uh, you may be you know jumping in the back of your 2003 Prius. So yeah, I think with, if you're doing an online you know kind of a business, it's um, it's still capital intensive. I mm-hmm. mean, there's dollars right. involved, but not like you know brick and mortar. Right, right. And or employees' needs. Yeah, and you you know the financial implications should not be as difficult. Right. Um, where you run out of money and you're done. Sure, that, sure. You shouldn't put yourself in that position right. as easily. Right. So let me let me shift a little bit here to like with offline. We were kind of I was asking this question and and uh, I mean I noticed you kind of you know kind of looked up and thought through this. But if if somebody was starting something today, um, what or or they were interested in getting into this space. So what would be two or three really foundational principles that they really have to know that I mean if you were mentoring them into into starting a business I mean how you know finding finding that thing that they you know they're passionate about that 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 intersection is you know there's a Japanese word called ikigai which means kind of the your purpose your life purpose for you know Mm. what does it mean when my skill set and opportunity intersect you know with and, and and an ability to make money so how would you kind of walk a listener through this this process in the next couple of minutes i mean what are what are two or three things that you would you would say to that listener that says 
Yeah, here I'm really interested in this. I really don't even know where to start, but I feel like I have those characteristics. So interested in being a entrepreneur, sure, business owner, sure, something? yeah. Without Primarily a, in the online space, but just without, just thinking through without an idea. Without an idea, let's start with that one. Right. Yeah. Um, first question I would ask is, why do you want to do this? Mm -hmm. Explain to me what is it about it that makes you think you can do it or want to do it. That, that want to is really important mm -hmm. um, because oftentimes what you are looking to do will not translate into that. Right. If that's the case, then you're, you probably should move forward. Um, and, and I will tell you, I spend more time counseling people out of becoming oh, I'm sure, yeah. than into. Right. Because it's, uh, it's very time consuming. It's, it can be you know, costly. Mm -hmm. It can influence your family, your sure. social life, everything. And if those things are going to happen, mm -hmm. you need to believe you can make it. And in my counseling other people, I want to believe they can make it. And if right. I don't feel that way, I'm very quick to let mm -hmm. them know how I yep. feel. I mean, they, I've, left, I've yep. had grown men leave my office crying mm -hmm. <laughs> because I sort of burst their bubble. They thought, I got it. But they've got to appreciate it later when they when they realize that this you, is probably. You never know. Yeah. I, I, you know. Some of them go and I hear later they lost a lot of money, but yeah. <laughs> whatever the case might be. So, you know, the why around it is really, really important. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I, I would ask questions like, well, what are you skilled at? What do you do with Right. What right. is it that you bring to the table? That's always the question. You know, what do you bring to the table? Mm -hmm. Well, if you're, if you're starting the table, yep. then you didn't know what's at the table already. Right. Because then when you start thinking about starting something, you know, whether it's online mm -hmm. or otherwise, uh, you can figure out what is it that I do, do not know that I need to somehow, you know, get from someone else or whatever, you know, and then can I pay for that? Because that's a, that's a big part of the whole process. If you, if you go into, and I tell people, if you go into starting a business and you haven't asked all the appropriate questions, mm -hmm. there are going to be pitfalls. Yep. And they're going to be some of those anyhow. Right. But now the question is, can you afford the pitfalls? Right. If you don't know where the answers are, you're probably not going to be able to do that mm -hmm. because it's going to take you too long to find it or you find out it's way too expensive and you can't afford it. And, and now where do you turn? Right. Because you have gaps that you cannot fill. So you want to kind of know all of that to begin mm -hmm. with. And that starts with you. You know, what do I right. know? Right. What can I do? And then what What's else? What's skill set? And What's then what passions? Yeah. has to happen? in order to make it work. Right. So I got a difference between who I am and what has to happen. And then if I can answer those questions and I have the resources to, make, to do it, okay, now I've got a chance. I got a chance. Mm -hmm. Not that I'm going to be successful, but I got a chance to make it work. So so you kind of outlined, you know, asking them why do you want to do this? And then you're kind of looking at who are you? How, you know, how are you wired? What what are you bringing to the table? So and there seems to be a missing piece. That. What is the, how do you then find the, so that's not, that doesn't seem to be enough. So, you know, I can tell you I want to do it and this is why, this is what I bring to the table, but how do you match that with opportunity? How do you discover opportunity in uh, the, in the market? Yes, yeah, I, I think that's a, um, I've asked, been asked that question a lot about what, how did you know to start that? Right. Or start that, you know, if we talked about the various things that, you know, we started, one of the questions you would immediately say is, none of those things have anything to do with They're not other. related, that's right. At yeah. all. Yeah. So how did you figure all that out? Well, I know what I could do. Mm -hmm. And then if I can figure out 
things that I, I don't do well that we have to have in order to make that successful, then I'm, I'm answering the question I was just talking about. Right. And then see, can I afford that? Can I find it? Can I find people I want to work with? I mean, those kinds of you know, uh, questions. But in terms of opportunity, mm-hmm. I mean, what is it that you might want to do that you can succeed at? Where's the idea come from? I, I say this, and people, I think they, they don't like the answer necessarily because it's not really great. But, you know, keeping your ears and eyes open. Sure. You know, when you... If you're going to be successful as an entrepreneur, you are meeting a need. Mm-hmm. Bottom line, every business succeeds because they meet a need. Scratch an itch. Yep. And yep. if they stop meeting a need or somebody does it better, mm-hmm. less money or whatever, things change, criteria changes, uh-oh, I've got some issues, right? So you're all you know, meeting needs. So how do you come up with those needs? Well, you live life. You're in life. Right. I mean, there are things daily that... You're thinking, ah, oh, this doesn't work as well as it could. Oh man, if I had this, this would be a whole lot better. Mm-hmm. Or if, if I could find out on the internet more quickly and get this done, I'd be great. Oh, oh, I just went through a couple ideas. Yeah. And then you yeah. stop and you think, oh, wait a minute, that's true. Mm-hmm. What if? Can we do that? I mean, is there a way to try to do that better than they're doing it now? Right. I mean, you know, the idea that you're going to come up with something no one else has ever come up with. Mm-hmm. Is what, like slim and none, Yeah, right? You're just doing something either better or a better way, or more cost-efficient, mm-hmm. you, know, um, you know, more logistically, you know, easy, whatever the case might be. It's kind of same thing, just better. That's right. where the ideas come from. Right. I mean, NASA comes up with new stuff. Mm-hmm. We don't. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we're, yeah, we're not NASA. <clears throat> yeah, and I, I right. think that's fun, though. That's what makes it... Um, there are, you know, just so many little examples, you know, of mm-hmm. that. I mean, it's Christmas time, mm-hmm. right? So remember, you know, you know the uh, little single white lights we all put, you know, in our window seal, you know, mm-hmm. at night, you know, a lot of times right. in houses, and how the window seal wasn't large enough, so they kept falling out or whatever. There was a guy here not too far from Richmond who came up with the idea of a little plastic circle thing that went over, you know, the, um, the little candle mm-hmm. and slid down into this. It just sat right there. Well, you're thinking to yourself, well, what a great idea. I've been complaining about this every year. Like yep. these things keep falling out. Yep. Why didn't I come up with that idea? Pretty simple. What you did, he made a lot of money it's off of it. First to market. That's he's, right. Yeah, he's happy yeah. and doing whatever. And there are, there are just tons of those examples. Right, right. Um, and big companies are constantly trying to do the same thing. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, if it doesn't you know, significantly impact the balance sheet, they're not going to do it. Right. So there's just, you don't have to beat the big guy all the time to be successful. I mean, there are a lot of little ideas out there that can make an individual or several individuals, you know. Pretty wealthy. Pretty well off. Yeah, pretty, pretty successful. Yeah, because you're, you're yeah. trying to impact your income. You're not trying to impact, uh, you know, a gazillion right. shareholders. You're, you're big fish <clears throat> in a little pond and which versus is, a little fish yeah, in a big pond. Yeah. So there's, a way, there's always a way to succeed. But I, so it's not uh, so much are you a great thinker, you mm-hmm. know, are you just really just creative genius that comes up with all that? No, you're just interested. Right. I mean, if you're the kid that when you were growing up, you kept asking your mom and dad, why, why, why? We just never <laughs> stopped. You said, why? Because it didn't, so far the answer hadn't hit. Yeah. And you weren't satisfied. Right. That was it. There had to be more to it than that. You kept asking why. That's a pretty good start. You're that person. You're the one, like with me, when I go out my wife, and we are having dinner somewhere or staying somewhere or whatever, I'm always going, you know what? 
if they did this, this <laughs> is that, or saying, uh, yeah, six months from now, June, if my wife's dead, they're not going to be here. Why would you say that? Blah, blah, blah. And then she said, well, just, just stop. Can we just enjoy dinner here? <laughs> just eat your pie. <laughs> but I, I just, I just, I think all entrepreneurs, no matter what they do, right? they're, they're doing it to every yep. business because yep. they're analytical in that respect. And, and I don't mean that, that you're just smarter than other people. Right. You just have interest in right. how things work. Right. <clears throat> and, you know, you, you have mechanical engineers or, you know, people that can put stuff together. Mm-hmm. And they just love diving in there and trying to figure out how do you put this right. together. Well, business is kind of the same way, except we don't have to have those kind of mechanical skills. You just have thought process about what are all the elements that make this picture work, mm-hmm. fit together, right. so that you can see it clearly. Well, what are those things? Mm-hmm. And you're always thinking about it. Um, and so you, so you actually never stop. So, and I have a lot of ideas and things I come up with. At this point, I don't, I'm not interested in doing. I'll tell somebody else or ask somebody or right. whatever. It's constantly doing stuff. So that, the gears really, are always turning. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, and I think that's true. I think most entrepreneurs would tell you that mm-hmm. that you're just always thinking. Right. Um, what becomes difficult is when you get involved in something, and it is so 24/7 on your mm-hmm. mind which is one of the downsides of being an entrepreneur. You right. really never get away from right. it. You, so you got to be prepared for that and try to manage that well mm-hmm. with you know, your family, et cetera. Um, but when you get so ingrained that you see yourself no longer thinking the way you used to think, mm-hmm. you have a problem. Yep. Because now you're very narrow-minded. You're right. too narrow within your own company so that you're not as valuable to what you started as you were when you started it. I, I ran into that. Hmm. Uh, where I said, you know, I, I'm now worried too much about day-to-day, mm-hmm. and that's not what I'm good at. So I had to figure out a way to hire somebody else right. to take care of that right. so I could do what you know, I was more skilled or gifted at. Well, guys, I hope you have had a, a pen and paper handy. If not, <clears throat> uh, hit the rewind button and go back and listen to this. Um, you know, you, you, can, you can get to the end of your life and you can look back and see that, you know, you can count on one hand the number of people that, that really were mentors in your life. And Harold may not even be aware of this, but he's probably one of those, those uh, five people that I could, I could name that, uh, you know, when we get together, it probably just seems like a conversation to You need to, to get out more, but, <laughs> <laughs> Probably just seems like a conversation, but it, but it really is, um, I mean, he's just, there's just wisdom when he talks, and, and uh, I tend to really, really listen well when, when we get to spend time together. And Harold, I, I mean, I just really appreciate your time today and just coming on and, and uh adding some wisdom to uh, the Rising Tide family. And is there anything that I haven't asked you about that you just want to wrap up with today before we close it out? Oh, my. <laughs> Open so how mic. much longer do we have now? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, it, I, I would just say to anybody who really is considering you know, doing something on, mm-hmm. on their own, it, it, it really is rewarding. Mm-hmm. Um, you feel really good about what you're doing. You, you embrace the challenge, right. and that is important. But you also know and have to recognize the downsides associated with it mm-hmm. and be willing to deal with that. Um, and, you know, I think God's given us, you know, prior, we, we, helps us prioritize what our right. life should look like. And when you, as you know, you know, rising up in any organization, as, as you become 
more and more into the management aspect of it, you now have greater responsibilities mm-hmm. down here because you have so many people that you're responsible for. You know, so you're like flipping a pyramid right. kind of a exactly. thing. Um, and when you when you go off and start your own business effectively, oh, that thing really gets heavy mm-hmm. because now you're, you're hiring people that you're responsible for their right. lives. Right. You're responsible for their families. And livelihoods, yeah, that's Exactly. Right. So um, it's, it's to be taken very seriously. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> But at the same time, it's fun. Mm. I mean, just it's competition. Yep. If you like competition, then you're probably going to like it. (laughs) (laughs) Well, Harold, thank you so much for for taking the time today and just uh, just sharing, you know, some of your your wisdom with us and just coming on. And it's I mean, I could talk to you all day about this, but we do want to want to limit it to our our our, uh, we kind of have a window that is an effective window on interviews. But um, Harold, thank you for just just speaking into the lives of our listeners and just causing you know playing your part in helping all boats rise in a rising tide. Harold, thanks again. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me.